Smith goes for the shot in the back of the net. Keep your eye on goal of the day. That's got to be a contender early on. He takes the right for the shot. Oh my goodness me! And you would, as a Crawley fan, begin to believe the three points are yours. It's the best night of Crawley Town's lives. And there may be more to come. Hello and welcome to episode five of Straight Red, the Crawley Town podcast for fans, by fans. As ever in episode five, we'll have a match review of all the games we've played since episode four. We'll have a look ahead to the matches coming up. And of course, we'll have all the usuals, Broadfield Burst, Are You Ready? And Added Time. And we might even get Sergio Says. So here we go then with our match reviews. And Jonathan, there's been five games since our last podcast. An absolute flurry of matches. So we're not going to go through them one by one as usual because we'd be here all ruddy day. So let's just have an overview of those five games. Jonathan, what are your thoughts? We've had Yeovil Town, a 3-1 win at home. Notts County, that 3-1 loss away. A 2-0 win to Cambridge at home. A 1-0 loss in the Trade Trophy and a 3-1 loss just this weekend against Colchester. Can you summarise all those five games for us? <laughs> <laughs> Give me an easy task there. <laughs> so if we scroll back quickly to the game against Yeovil, Gambin, man of the match, absolute cracking performance from him. Uh, I was really pleased to see how well he did and really good work rate on and off the ball, good touch. I have to say, I don't think his shots were too great, uh, you know, like quite a few Crawley players, but he did hassle uh, many of the opposition. And strangely enough, I don't know, I, I don't want to be slated for saying this, but <gasps> he reminds me of Eden Hazard in, in some aspects. I know obviously Eden what Hazard... What a comparison. Eden Hazard is, <laughs> is a the, fantastic... The best player in the world. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but just kind of like a little bit of how he looks like, but also his sort of work rate mentality and, and ability to push up the wings. Obviously, he doesn't have that kind of level of skill. Sorry, but... Put some pressure on the lad. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I just I, he was the kind of the player that he sort of cropped into my head. So fair yes, enough. I thought I'd mention that. Ashley Nathaniel George, obviously, he scored an absolute cracker from thirty yards odd out, um, which was great to see again from from the young guy. So moving on to Notts County now, I think that's all to say from Yeovil. Notts County, I've, I've got a little thing here. Reds had twenty-two shots, seven on target, and one goal to show from it. What do you make of that? It's a lot of shots, isn't it? It's a lot of shots, but not enough in the back of the net. Yes. And if there's one game out of those five, I think we all wanted Crawley to win. It was away at Notts County. Um, didn't happen. And it was actually a fairly convincing win for Notts as well. And they had 10 men on the pitch for about half an hour as well. Yeah, very much so. And uh, it's a thing that you'll probably see here, but Crawley lost away there. They seem to just be losing away under Gabriel Truffy. I think we'll come on to this after we've done a very, very brief overview of these five. The home form is incredibly exciting. The games are brilliant to watch. Uh, just nipping back to Yeovil very quickly. Classic cliche, game of two halves. At half-time, Crawley were lucky to be level in that game, I thought. And second half, a different team came out. Like we've seen a lot of the time uh, with Gabi Chioffe. He, he says something at half-time and something changes. Uh, but away from home, it's, it's pretty poor in the nicest sense. That's the best I could say about it. I mean, look on this paper in front of us. 3-1 loss uh, and another 3-1 loss at Colchester as well. It, it's not just losing 1-0 or, or late on. It, it's fairly convincing losses, which is a bit of a worry. Just applying what you've just said there, again, to Crawley's home match against Cambridge, which they won 2-0. Uh, the first half of the game, 
like you say, nothing really happened. In fact, whenever it was Crawley's back to the wall, in fact, they looked like the team who were going to concede first. And whenever Crawley cleared that ball back out of their box, it would end up again with another Cambridge player and then it would be pumped back into the Crawley sort of danger area to be, you know, had another shot at goal or another piece of basically play that would kind of scare the Crawley fans, I suppose. Second half, they came out a completely different team. You know, their work rate is so much better. Um, they look so much more confident on and off the ball, not scared to play the ball out of their area and, and maybe try a few things that get them into positions where they can actually uh, have good attempts on, on the goal. And um, well, they reap the rewards from it uh, because Cambridge didn't manage to score in that in that first half. I've got some brilliant stats from the Cambridge game, only from BBC, so take them take them with a pinch of salt. Oi, uh, what you <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry, you work with a BBC. Sorry. <laughs> Um, right from the BBC website the very trusted British broadcasting website um, possession was pretty much 50-50 but shots in the Cambridge Crawley game Crawley 6 Cambridge 18 shots on target Crawley 3 Cambridge 9 and we won 2-0 is that just is that's Glenn Morris isn't it <laughs> yeah, yeah we'll, we'll, we'll lay it down to uh, the fantastic hands of Glenn Morris and the other two players that I thought stood out for me in this match were Palmer, I thought he showed real good sort of uh, muscle ability, strength off the ball and on the ball to push his way forward. Gambin as well, I thought he was another star in this match. Nathaniel George, it's sad to see that he, I think he's picked up more than just a simple knock because he was obviously left out there as well. But it's nice to see, even though Nathaniel George is you know a cracking player, it's nice to see that Crawley don't miss him in that sense, because they have other players like Gambin who are stepping up to the plate and, and sort of filling that void that Nathaniel George has left by not being in the team. But of course, you know, we, we want him back as soon as possible. I think he's not the only one, isn't he? You've got to remember, Smith's out as well. Uh, we're going to come on shortly to... Bond's got a straight red against Colchester this weekend. He's going to be out for at least... It's three games for a straight red, isn't it? Yep. So he's going to be out as well. Crawley can't afford at this stage of the season after a fairly good start. Tenth in the league after yesterday's um, loss. And it's only it a, a couple of points, couple points oh, off yeah. the top, isn't I'd it? like to say always. a win yesterday, you know, in hindsight, if it was a win. Um, we'd be in sixth place and still top ten after two losses in a row. Obviously, one and only in the Ticket Trade Trophy. But um, it, it's, re it's far too easy to be critical about things. Because if you'd offered Crawley tenth of the table after 13 games, you'd have bitten somebody's hand off. Yeah, yeah. Completely. Um, and this leads us, I guess, now on to the other competition that Crawley are, are still in. The Checker Trade Trophy is, yeah. I usually call it the English Football League Trophy. You do? And Crawley lost that match, but they can still go through in second position, I believe, if um, Portsmouth beats... Uh, Tottenham under 21s. Tottenham, that is the other team in the group. And we beat Gillingham. So you, we can still go through. It's one of those cups. I've said it before, I'll say it again. It's nice if you get to the final, if you lose, you don't really care that much, do you? And it was also interesting, you'll, you'll hear this a bit of this interview, in fact, uh, later on in the podcast, but I spoke to Cheofe after uh, the match against Cambridge, uh, and he did mention, I mean, he's not going to say we're not going to try, but he did actually kind of seem a little bit different to Harry in this sense that he was wanting to give it a go. And here is what he had to say. Well, Gabby, 2-0 win today, but is it fair to say that it was maybe a tough match considering the scoreline? Yeah, it was a tough match. We were lucky to back in the dressing room with a, with a draw. They deserved to score. 
obviously what I really liked of my of my lads was the will to don't concede goal even in the trouble. So we correct some mistake is uh, what uh, we weren't able to correct life for a lot of reason uh, because sometimes you think. Uh, Something you ask is not is normal, but you, we never work. We are working together since three weeks. Then they they are very smart and sharp to understand my request. They correct the shot, and uh, and at the end of the day, we we bring home other three points. Now I've heard quite a few people referring to uh, the Broadfield Stadium here as Crawley's fortress. How much of a main influence have the fans been? in creating an, an atmosphere and an, an area where Crawley can have this consistency to win games? The support of, uh, of the people, of the crowd, uh, is pivotal for any, for any club. Uh, at the end of the day, the players are actors. So if there is a, a big crowd, well, they feel special. And I, as I said just this week to them, is a Result, 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 and then sooner or later you will fill up the stadium. But it's about you. It's not about the people that have to to give you a gift. You have to to inspire them to come here to support something special. How impressed are you, particularly with Gambin and 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 how he's coming to the team and obviously his goal today that he scored and how he's sort of gelling and bonding with the team? Because clearly haven't seen too much of him prior to you maybe coming to this club. Uh, it's a good question. What I can ask you, uh, can answer you is, uh, Luke Gambin, uh, Ashley, uh, Natalia George, Tarin, Panuce, uh, Rhys Cox. Um, every one of them is special. Has to be special for this club. Of, obviously, uh, from Luke Gambin, we expect something more. But um, Lugami is playing good, is doing what he is showing, what the skill he has, and he has to keep going to do it. But it's not about him, it's about us. And us is, has to be a big us, so everyone has to be involved. And everyone go on the pitch has to hold the t shirt of the starting 11 really tight on his back. Otherwise, uh, there is something ready on, on the back. Can be Tarin, can be, uh, I, don't, I don't know, whoever won't show that he deserve to, to start the game um, and then looking now forward to Tuesday's game English Football League trophy yeah. is that a competition that you want to pay a lot of attention to or is there more attention elsewhere on other competitions uh, we pay attention to all the competition because uh, when you have a squad of 23 24 players uh, obviously our, our standard of training is high but if you don't play, going through a competition is important. Important for their fit, for their uh, will to be, for uh, because they can show that they deserve to play also in the league. So obviously we care. And and finally now, just over a month in this in this job as Crawley manager, how are you finding it so far? I said that this, I'm, my answer is the same of the first day. I'm happy. I am where I want to be. Now, let's try and look at the Pompey game and the Colchester game, kind of together, but also, of course, separately. But um, one thing that seems to stick out from both games, Crawley are shocking on the break, as in uh, the break against them. Uh, we can run up into the final third, but there's just no tracking back. And it, they're, they're, teams are like Pompey and Colchester picking us apart on the break. Yeah, especially when they're, you know, 
good teams like Portsmouth as well that have had that experience to be able to deal with fast attacking plays. Now, that is true to some extent, I think. But for me, when like when they come out in the second half and they have that much more confidence on and off the ball, I do think that there is far more of a togetherness when uh, sort of defending. I do feel like people like Palmer, like Marias, do track back and do and Kamara as well. Actually, one of your you know favorite players there, Kamara. He does his work rate off the ball. I think is second to none, and especially with defending. But that's only I feel when Crawley have confidence. Maybe when Crawley are one nil ahead or something like that. Like you say, when when Crawley are playing against these bigger teams or the teams that are actually you know putting them under some serious pressure, is that a thing that they lack? And uh, now moving on to uh, also bearing all these five games in mind. Now uh, we are relying heavily on Palmer, aren't we? I mean, he's on for 20 goals a season, a bit like James Collins a couple of years ago, which is great. Every single team needs that. But although we've got a couple of other goal scorers like Moraes, Nathaniel George has got a couple, Kamara's got one, we haven't got a second player who's knocking in half a dozen or so, or maybe get 10 for the season. That's a bit of a worry. Um, I, I don't know who our, our second best striker is. After, let's say Palmer gets injured, what do you do then? That would be a massive panic. Um, mm, it's and that C word, isn't it? Consistency. It is, yeah. And, and who else isn't really performing? Like Nathaniel George, um, I think he's doing absolutely great. But other players like Polian, even like Vincelo came in with a bit of a fanfare. It's not quite happening, is it? No. Um, and I think people do get fixated a little bit on the fact that, you know, Palmer is, is fantastic. And we should be praising him because, you know, he's doing Crawley a massive favour and he obviously wears the badge on his chest proudly as well, which is always great to see in a player for your club. But you you highlight a, a very valid point there, you in that, you know, if, if Palmer should, you know, the worst happen to him and um, he either leaves the club or he gets injured and so he's not in the team. There doesn't there's there's not a name that springs to mind as you know yeah he can he can score some goals and I think Cheyoffe is aware of this um, from from the fact that he says that you know we all need to be contributing to this goal effort that Crawley want to score um, it'll be interesting I mean it's crazy to be talking about the January transfer window in October I was about to bring it up actually yeah. <laughs> I think that will be a key indication as to whether or not uh, Crawley where where Crawley are going to finish in the table basically next season as to how their business happens in January. Definitely. Now, to, just to summarise all those five games in one go now, it is, and let's do it for the whole season as a whole, 13 games played. It's fantastically exciting at home. It's really worrying away. H- how does Gabby change that away form? I'm not, the, the home form, fantastic. Every time I go to a home game, I'm excited because I know there's going to be goals. I know it's going to be pretty exciting. We might not win every single time, but hey, we've won four in a row in the league at least. Um, and that's fantastic. I think I'd like to see more fans coming to the games. I don't know what we need to do to get more fans to the game. Maybe it's an FA Cup run, uh, which starts shortly, of course. But other than that, you won four in a row. You'd expect the gates to go up and up and up a little bit, a little bit. It's kind of not happening. Um, so maybe they're sort of stuck on the away form, which obviously isn't great. A couple of 3-1 losses, um, which isn't great when you're sitting at home on a Saturday watching the scores come in. And then you've got to decide whether you go to Crawley next Saturday or whether you go down to the coast or you go shopping or something. Um, it, it's difficult, but it, something needs to be done away from home. That is, that's undoubtable. Do you have a feeling as to what it might be that is causing Crawley to lose is it the fact that they don't have that home support I feel a bit weird by saying that because I don't feel that the Broadfield Stadium is known for 
it's it's incredible atmosphere dare i say i feel like in the conference weren't the, our last season in the conference that was absolutely incredible atmosphere that we had uh, i think it was very terrifying for an away team to come there and play just because of the loud racket that all of our fans and, and the drums but as that, well. that, that's also because in the conference that last season when we were getting 4000 fans to home games we were playing other conference teams who might be getting 1,000 at their home games. Um, and, and it's because we were on such a ridiculous run. I think it was 30 games unbeaten at the end of the season, which is absolutely insane. Now, if you take 4,000 fans into League Two and into League One, it's not that much pressure because most teams will be getting somewhere near that number. So it completely changes things. How to Crawley get back to 4,000? I've, I've absolutely no idea. Yeah, this is... I don't envy people who work at Crawley at the moment, uh, you know, the board of directors and directors of football who are trying to work out a strategy of how they get fans in. I do not envy you. Because ticket, ticket sales is your absolute bread and butter, as well as your sponsorship, of course. Uh, ticket sales is your bread and butter. So, I mean, uh, unless we get more people in the stadium, and, and let me say this, the fans in the stadium, there's, let's say there's 1,500 to 2,000 hardcore Crawley fans there every single Saturday. Um, and we would not have a club without those 1,500, 2,000. But it's how do you build that? How do you build that? And you can win games, you can bring in some marquee players, you can bring in some, some um, let, let's just say Harry Cole, Harry Cole is like a, a fairly high-profile pro, name, not necessarily a manager. That brings a bit of interest to the club. Um, I, I don't know the answer. Well, you know someone who might have the answer. Now, we, we, we're going to have him potentially on this podcast. I was going to bring Do it up in added time. <laughs> well, I won't mention the name, but we'll bring it up in added time that we might have someone on a future podcast who might be able to answer these questions. Let's hope so. So, I mean, let's summarise again, just overall in one sentence. It's fantastic at home. It's very worrying away. Would, would, is that fair for you, Jonathan? I think very much so. And 10th in the league. Can't complain either, can you? So that was a pretty much a blanket covering of the last five games since episode four. Now, matches coming up, Jonathan. This doesn't read very pretty for Crawley. So we've got two home games, so that's a positive, against Newport and Exeter. Then we're away to Tranmere Rovers. If you look at the league table, that is second, third and fifth in the table coming up over the next three games. But knowing Crawley, and I don't want to jinx this, but they always beat teams who are up there. We're still the only team to beat Lincoln, who are top of the league, away as well. Well, there we go. Um, I think coming up this Saturday, of course, uh, against Newport, isn't it? Um, Indeed. They always, just as a club and the fan base, there's always... It's always a tasty one, isn't yes. it, Newport? Home that, or away, always a tasty one. That, that's quite a way to summarise it. And then a Tuesday night under the lights at the Broadfield uh, versus Exeter City, who they are the ones in second place, Newport a third, both on 27 points and occupying automatic places at the moment. And then Saturday the 27th away at Tranmere, who are currently fifth on 23 points. So, I mean, we're only four points behind Tranmere in fifth. So you say you're playing second, third and fifth. They're not actually that many points ahead of us. Um, it, it looks like a fairly big jump in the league table. But this early on in the season, again, by the time we play Tranmere, we could could be above them if we do well against, of course, uh, Notts County and Exeter. You never know. And like everyone says, anyone can be anyone in League Two. Um, it's all a kind of a combination of how well you're playing at the time, the form going into the match, how well you're inspired, you know, what, what the manager says, uh, and maybe the conditions as well has an impact on that too. And what would you take out of those three games? I would take, I would take out the first two home games, I'd take a win and a draw, definitely. And I would, I would, I would, 
take a loss at Tranmere. I think that was most predictable. So a win, a draw and a loss out of those three games. And I think that would be, I think that'd be fairly good. So what, about four points? I, I would maybe go for, I'm going to be a bit optimistic and go for six. Two wins and a loss. Yes. Where's the loss? I think Tranmere as well. Yeah. I think Tranmere are you know, a good team. And also it's away from home, isn't it? So Okay, because you want to be as positive as you like. But I can't see where we turn around our away form at the moment. Is it, is it mentally? Is it tactically? Is it, it just on, one, is it on the training ground? I don't know. It might be one of those situations where we just get a bit of luck that uh, we might, you know, pick up a one or two nil away sort of result under Chelsea and then that confidence is is brought back in again. One thing I have noticed, and this is jumping right back to Yeovil, but I've seen it in other games as well. One thing Crawley are good at under Chioffe is just being fairly scrappy. And most players in the centre of the pitch can be scrappy. And I really like that kind of football. There's no rolling over. Even when they're down and they're getting looking like a loss, they can still be scrappy and move the ball forward. So that's fairly exciting. So let's see. Three tough games coming up for Crawley. Again, Newport at home, Extra at home, Tramby Rovers away. Good luck, the Reds. Well, it's arguably our most uh, famous and uh, popular segment. It's Sergio Says. Brian, you've been sacked. <laughs> it is Sergio Says. And I'm very, very grateful to Sergio because I only texted him about an hour before this podcast on a Sunday. And I know he's got a young family. So thank you very much, Sergio, for getting back to us uh, on a Sunday afternoon. And he agrees with me, Jonathan, on four points. He's gone for a one-all draw at home to Newport in that tasty encounter. He's gone for a 1-0 versus Exeter. Um, at home under the lights on that Tuesday and away versus Tranmere. He's gone 2-0 Tranmere. You can't argue against it, can you, really? No, no, not <laughs> at all. Um, I, I feel like he's gone a little bit conservative on those first two matches, uh, that one all and that one nil. But I think the Tranmere game, 2-0 away, I think that's probably a fair prediction. So Sergio has gone four points. Ewan has gone four points. And Jonathan, you've gone six. Fingers crossed for six, hey? <laughs> Well, it's Broadfield buzz time now. It's uh, to find out what's been happening in and around the grounds. Ewan, you've got some cracking stories for us this time. Yeah, I mean, this is often quite a fairly difficult segment to fill, but luckily there's been a couple of cool things going on this week. First of all, Crawley Town legend Danny Bullman in his third spell at the club had an interview in The Telegraph this week. I don't know if you saw it, Jonathan. And... It's an ongoing joke. We know Danny Bowman's getting on, but he still runs around like a young kid. He is officially the oldest player in league football. What a, what a tag that is. That is an incredible tag, and I never thought that that would be the case. I mean, I guess that must be when he was born, because there are a few other players who are about 39, isn't there? He is, he's 40 in January, and he is one month older than Morecambe's Kevin Ellison. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that that's the player I was thinking of because more, we've played Morecambe already this yeah, season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm doing some pre-match uh, reading up and um, I was surprised to see you know, how, how old Ellison was. And I couldn't be any happier than the guy he's beating is Kevin Ellison because Kevin Ellison's one of those players that you kind of love to hate. It's like a pantomime villain, isn't it? <laughs> no matter who he's playing for or against us. Now, now, saying that, if he was playing for Crawley, I'd absolutely love him. But when he's against you, he's a player I really sort of enjoy hearing the booze ring out whenever he's on the ball. He's just one of those players. Um, so he is a month older than Kevin Ellison. And they asked him in the interview, is it a tag you're, you're proud of? And he said, well, not particularly, but because Kevin Ellison is one month younger and when Crawley 
played Morecambe this season, or just not too long ago, um, Kevin Ellison asked Danny Ball, when are you retiring? <laughs> because it was obviously a title he wants. Um, so I've got my fingers crossed that Danny Bourne retires one day after Ken- Kevin Ellison, whenever it might be. There were some lovely quotes in the interview. The one thing I love about Danny, he, he doesn't look 39, does he? He doesn't. He looks a lot, he's, lot younger. He's a very dashing uh, chap. He is. And even in the um, in the media photos in the paper, he was wearing like cut jeans on his knees and things. <laughs> I stopped wearing cut jeans about 10 years ago. I can't pull that off, but Danny Borman can pull it off. Um, he said a few things. He tells himself um, he's not picked out a sentiment. He's still an absolutely fantastic player and he still has to earn his place on the team. So as soon as he's still being picked, he thinks somebody still must think he's doing something worthwhile. And he absolutely is. Regardless of his age, regardless of his crawly history, and we just love seeing him on the pitch, he still earns his position in that squad every single game, doesn't he? And he's played 875 games across a 22-year career. That's Staggering numbers. That is incredible. That's more than uh, you know the likes of John Terry, and, and obviously they've played is, at a higher yeah. level. But you know to be going for that long in, in professional football, just, it must take so much of a toll on your body. Well, that's what he said. One theory for my longevity. I'm so one paced. I never did the damage to the quads and the hamstrings that a quick player might. Also, I've never had the pace, so I've never had anything to lose. (laughs) I don't think that does him justice, does it? Because he's always running about the pitch box to box. I know it's like a holding midfielder sort of near the back than the front. But um, he can still put a run in and... 90 minutes throughout the entire game. I absolutely love the guy. And he says he absolutely loves it as well. I'm still a kid at the end of the day, mucking about in the playground with my mates. What what a mentality to go onto the football pitch on a, on a Saturday. I absolutely adore that comment there. And if he has that sort of mentality going forward, then maybe many more years to come sort of thing. How long can he go? I don't think he's the type of player that I don't think you drop down to conference, conference south, that kind of thing. I think he knows his level. His level is still League Two, clearly. Uh, would he do a, like a Sergio and go down to the conference, conference south, or even lower maybe? I don't think so. And at the age he is now, he can, he can afford to retire gracefully playing league football. So the second little story, I'm absolutely certain you've heard this and you've probably seen the images as well. Usain Bolt got his first professional goals this week and he scored two in the same game for the Central Coast Mariners. One was a fairly good take with his left boot from about 15 yards out under the keeper. The second one was a tap-in. But that, that's a story to be talking about, isn't it? Very much so. I still remember <laughs> the time when uh, Usain Bolt was you know, talking about coming into football. In fact, I think he was, it was kind of a merger from when he was doing sprinting to when he was doing football. And in fact, his, I think his coaches for, for running didn't allow him to really play that much because they were scared that someone would tackle him and obviously, you know, ruin his sprint career. Now, I haven't seen, uh, apart from the goals, there aren't that many sort of uh, clips from the game. So I can't say whether he's a good footballer or not. But he's knocking the goals away in the Australian A-League, which I know is probably the equivalent of, he might be the equivalent of sort of English League 1 or League 2. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure, to be honest. But um, he's scoring goals. So it, I think that's great to see. And finally... Again, I don't know if you've seen this one. It got some fairly good attention. Dulwich Hamlet hosted Crystal Palace in a friendly this week. And during the game, during the first half, there was three announcements over the tannoy. Uh, There was a car parked in the wrong place and it was going to be towed. It was the Dulwich Hamlet keeper's car. <laughs> and he heard all of the announcements. Um, and he started panicking on the third one because the car was going to be towed. So he was shouting to the crowd behind him to tell the Tannoy announcer that it was his car. <laughs> I don't think the message got across at half time when the whistle went. He sprinted into the tunnel to go and move his car. 
which is something I've never, ever heard of in my life. And he spoke to him after the game. Um, he, he, he turned up for the game late, didn't want to get fined, so we just abandoned his car, nearly got it towed, and uh, only luckily heard the Tannoy announcer. It's very efficient tow people as well. It is, yeah. <laughs> By half-time, yeah. So three little stories there. Jonathan, let's get back onto Crawley Town. Ewan, we have no special guests this week, so... It's fair to say I'm feeling quite uh, exposed for this next section. It's Are You Ready, Jonathan? This is the section where I ask you five Crawley Town-based questions from Crawley Town history, and you do your best to get a five out of five. It's not happened yet. You had Ryan with you last week, or last episode, you got a three out of five. You did get three out of five on episode one. Since then, I think your best is one or two. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, th- I think so. Um it's fair to say it's not gone very well either way. And I'll be honest, the questions this week, they are good questions. And they're interesting questions, they're interesting answers. Whether you'll get five, I think it's very unlikely. But let's find out. I do too, because I feel like the questions you've asked me so far were the only bits of knowledge I had of Crawley. <laughs> Every single week, um, I do have to look deeper and deeper into the archive. So it's only going to get worse. Let's find out, Jonathan. Are you ready? Yes. <laughs> Jonathan, you can answer question one after I've finished asking the question. Then we'll just get through these as quick as possible. Do you understand? Yep. Question one. As of the 2018-19 season, how many consecutive seasons have Crawley played in the Football League? Uh, 12. Who was Crawley Town's top goal scorer in the 2011-12 season, their first season in the Football League? The... Matt Tubbs. The FA Cup 2018-19 is coming soon. How many consecutive seasons have the Reds gone out in the first round? Uh, Come on. Uh, five. Crawley Town last won an FA Cup match on the 9th of November 2013. Who did we beat? This is a tough one. I uh, lit- literally have no clue. That's fine. Who was appointed Crawley Town manager six days before this match? Before that, that FA Cup match? Yeah. 2013, yeah. December. Tick tock, tick tock. Uh, uh, Come on, just say a Crawley Town manager. Anyone. D- Dean Saunders. Right, or there we go. That's not the right answer, but R- I'm just Richie saying. Richie Barker. <laughs> no, can't guess again. Right, let's go through the answers. Question one 2019, how many consecutive seasons have Crawley played in the Football League? I think I said 12, right? Yeah, it's nowhere near 12. If you think. Oh no, I said <laughs> no, I said 12 because we we joined in 2011 2012, didn't we? Yeah. That's why I said 12. So it's 8. Oh. <laughs> no, 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 please no it's one actually, hates it. It was actually 10 11, but uh, it was 10 11. Uh, no, 10 11 was conference 11 12, yeah. So it is um, eight this is our eighth consecutive season in the football league. Well, that's embarrassing. Question 2, who was Crawley's top goal scorer in our first season in the football league? You said Matt Tubbs. You got his initials the wrong way around. It's TB, Tyrone, Tyrone Barney. Barney. He oh, scored, it's, it's one of them, wasn't it? He scored 14 goals. Not that many, really, was it? How many? Do, do you know how many but Matt Tubbs t- scored? Tubbs was on quite a few. I think he was on like 10 or so. Uh, scored his last one in the FA Cup away at Hull in the fourth round. And then he walked off the pitch and that was his last game for Crawley. And I was one of the very few people that knew when he walked off at Hull, that was his last game because it was announced the next day that he was leaving. So there's, there's a fun fact. Did he announce to sort of the management and everything we, that we he was We knew behind leave? the scenes he was going to Bournemouth uh, before the Hull game. And when he walked off at Hull, 
when we won that game 1-0, he was like clapping to the crowd, looking around the, the Crawley fans. And we knew on the inside, the staff, that, that that was him saying goodbye. But I don't think none of the fans knew that was goodbye because it was announced the next day um, that he'd be leaving. So that was all a done deal. It was a done deal, yeah. Yeah. See, when you're on the inside, you know these things. <laughs> I do know some cool stuff. Uh, right, question three. This is, uh, we're digressing. 2018-19 FA Cup season's coming soon. How many consecutive seasons have the Reds gone out in the first round? This is depressing. I think stat. I said five. It's four. Okay. Yeah, it's four. Uh, in the fifth season ago, though, Crawley Town last won an FA Cup game on the 9th of November 2013. Who did we beat, Jonathan? It was away. It was courtesy. We won 2-1, courtesy of, a, courtesy of an own goal and an Emil Sinclair late winner against Hednesford Town. Yeah, we'd have never you would got never that. have got that. Who was appointed Crawley manager six days before that game? Oh, no, sorry. I've, I've asked the question slightly wrong. Right. Uh, because I was going to ask a different question. The next, this, the, the next round, the second round, we played Bristol Rovers. Right. Who was appointed manager six days before the Bristol Rovers game? Oh, that makes it, so much difference <laughs> then. <laughs> because it was a different manager in charge of, uh, basically, Richie Barker was in charge of that Hednesford Town game. Yep. But he wasn't in charge of the second round game against Bristol Rovers. Who was? Uh, Sean, o no, 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 no. He, did, he came in later. Uh, uh is Craig Brewster? No, it was. Um, uh, what's his name? Oh my god, I've written it down. Hang on, uh, it'll come to me. It come to me. John Gregory. Oh, it was John Gregory. He was appointed on the 3rd of December. We played Bristol Rovers on the 9th of December. The game was abandoned. Uh, we had to replay it. a waterlogged pitch. We eventually went down. 2-1 to two late Bristol Rovers goals at the FA Cup. And we've never been back to the second round since. Well, there you go. I have got a total of zero. So, you know, that's <laughs> top score there for me. I'll make the easier questions next time. Well, you're in the clock's ticking. Uh, it's a short episode, this one as well. So we're in added time now. Fire away. Only a few things. Again, we're keeping the whole show short this episode. Now, we were meant to have uh, a star guest, or not a star guest, a guest on this episode, uh, but we've moved that back to episode six. Now, we've taken a slight detour in terms of guests. We've had Sergio, had Ryan Richfond, ex-players, and we're looking forward to having some more ex-players in the very near future. But we're going backroom staff, because in episode six... General Manager Bruce Tolbert, arguably the, the second most famous Bruce in Crawley history after, of course, Bruce Winfield and a distant second in favourite terms. But it is Bruce Tolbert, General Manager on episode six. So we're looking forward to asking some different kind of questions, not playing questions, but behind the scenes questions. What is going on? What is really happening? And what are the real sort of what, what's the where's our money forward? going? Where's our money going? Where's the money? Um, so we'll look forward to asking um, a completely different set of questions. And we'd like you to ask some questions as well. You're really fantastic. When we do put a tweet out or something on the forum uh, looking for questions, you always do give us some great ones to pass on. So please do that. I'll put a Twitter uh, tweet out and also a message on the forum. So look forward to those questions coming in. Second thing is, as ever, Tranmere game, our next away game, 27th of October. GH coaches will be putting a coach on for that, of course. The three o'clock kickoff. So it's going to be departing the stadium at 7am, an ungodly hour, 7am. As ever, 20 quid includes a buffet stop-off and they intend to depart again at 7 o'clock. 27 books on the coach so far. Look at ghcoaches.co.uk. All right. Third and final thing. Next 
episode, Jonathan, as well as having a guest, I'm going to introduce a new section. Do you recall we were going to, for episode one onwards, there was going to be Where Are They Now? Where we looked what our previous red was up to. Fantastic. Fantastic name as well. And then we found out that the club had nicked it. They absolutely blatantly stole it. Because in the programme... From game one, there was, where are they now? So we can't really use that. We don't want to sort of double it up and nick it back because that would be petty. So what I'm going to introduce, it's kind of similar, but also slightly different. I'm going to give a recap, a review between the episodes, what previous Crawley players have been up to in general. So not focusing on one player, but just who's been in the news, who's scoring goals for different clubs, anybody in anything exciting, anybody retired, anybody gone upper league or down league, transferred, etc, etc. Just generally what ex-Reds are up to in the football league and the entire football pyramid. If any of you have an idea for a, a section that you think you'd, you'd like us to do on anything to do with Crawley, Um, DM us or tweet us or whatever and uh, we'll obviously take a look at them and uh, and consider sort of changing and chopping and changing and and moving stuff around as and when is needed because at the end of the day this is your podcast Uh, we've said that from episode one we are making this or we sort of threw things together on episode one we think it's sort of fallen into a nice sort of routine over these five episodes but we are absolutely willing to mix things up change things tell us what you want to hear tell us what you don't want to hear and uh, we'll abide by that this is your podcast not ours we're just the ones talking in front of the mics right well that was all the news that we had to uh, to bring to you for this uh, episode Episode five, of course, a bit of a landmark for us. We look forward to seeing all of you in the upcoming matches, of course. Uh, all the uh, best to the Crawley Town Red Devils. And, and, and come, if you see us around the stadium, come and see us as well. We'd love to absolutely talk to you. Also, after games, if anybody, we've always said this, if anybody wants to just give us a 90-second overview of any home or away game, we'd love to hear your opinions because I'm well aware at the moment, it's just two of us sat here talking about our opinions on the game. We'd love to get as many opinions as possible on the show. So again, as well as opinions on on uh, uh, games and suggestions for uh, for sections etc etc we just want you involved yes so thanks very much for listening again as always please leave us your feedback your reviews it will only help us uh, hopefully get better not worse uh, but from you and myself goodbye goodbye and thank you